The street is where we create. We call it suburbanpreneurship. Mixing big company resources with an entrepreneurial spirit. This is Electric People. Electric People, hello. It's Ty Williams. And today on the show, we have Bob Berg. This is one that I was actually really excited for. Um, Bob has 30 years coaching companies, leaders, and salespeople. He is a renowned keynote speaker to organizations, thought leaders, Olympians, high performers, and he's kind of spoken to everybody. His principles are really universal and broadly applicable to any endeavor or virtuous pursuit. Um, He's written a bunch of books on sales and marketing. The most notable and the one we spend our short time together talking about is The Go-Giver. So The Go-Giver... It's one of those books that you could read it in an hour or two. You should revisit it multiple times. We talk about that in the conversation, but it is so good. It's a very human centered or like human based approach to sales and leadership and kind of everything that we do. Um, I read it in preparation for this interview and it's funny. We actually start out by saying I've had the book forever and I think that's, it's one of those books that people have. It's gifted. And then you read it and it's like, where has this thing been kind of my whole life? So uh, Bob also runs the Go-Giver podcast. Uh, He's been ranked top 30 most influential leaders, top 200 most influential authors. uh, authors, Sorry, He is the real deal. Um, In the show notes here, you can sign up for his daily impact emails. He had a brief window of 30 minutes. We took advantage of it. So I'll get to it. This is Bob Berg. Let me start this conversation Bob, with an admission, can I make a confession to you to start out? Does that work for you? Please do. Is there any other way to start? I think we just need to clear the air and get started. So um, (laughs) I have a good friend of mine uh, who was a sales leader that worked in my org. His name's Reno Mendenhall. Shout out to Reno. And he he gifted me a copy of The Go-Giver five years ago. Ah. And it, I'd heard great things about it. I keep a running list of books that have been recommended to me. And, you know, there's so many books that I have a rule that after it gets recommended to me twice, I move it to the top of my list. So The Go-Giver has sat at the top of my list for years and years and years. And then we got connected um, by a good friend. Uh, I believe Dave Meltzer is our connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I'm pushing this thing to the front. And frankly, I've gone through it now a couple of times and I don't know how I don't know how I waited so long. It's seriously one of the most impactful books on leadership wow. and just a way of being like, it's, it's one of those things where the principles discussed in the book align so well with what I hope and aspire to be and what I hope our organization embodies that I've, I've never seen anybody that's articulated those kind of like, um, almost like counterintuitive principles in the way that you have. So thank you for creating it. Thank you. And I, first I appreciate Reno and Dave. Uh, very much. It's uh, quite honored that they uh, recommended the book to you. And, you know, first of all, in terms of the book um, being written as it was, and yeah, John and I did, did mean to, to, to make it counterintuitive. That was sort of the, uh, the, the idea and the theme, but the reason it read as well as it did is because of John. He was John David Mann, my co-author is really, he was the lead writer and storyteller. I am much more of a how-to step-by-step you know, step one, yeah. step two, step three. This would never have been what it was without John's, uh, without John's expertise in writing. Well, I think honestly, that's the reason that it's so great. I, I, it's not even a, again, it's not even as much of a book. What do they say on the front of it? It's a, 
a little story about a powerful business idea, which is perfect. Like it's honestly, to me, a way of being, it seems to be like a way to navigate starts with maybe a way to navigate the business world, but I think it's their principles for life, which always translate to successful business practices. It's the same, sure. it's the same game. So, um, as I was reading it, you know, I became really interested in how you got tuned to this idea, this idea of kind of shifting a mindset from receiving to giving, where did that, where did that seed get planted and how did it become real for you? Well, years and years ago, back in the nineties, my first book was called endless referrals. And the subtitle is network your everyday contacts into sales. And it was a how to book. It wasn't a parable like this one. It was a how to book. Uh, written for entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a fantastic product or service. They knew it brought great value to the marketplace and those they serve, but they didn't necessarily feel comfortable or confident going out into their local communities and developing the kinds of relationships that would lead to people wanting to do business with them directly and or refer them to others. So Endless Referrals was a system. I, I personally define a system as the process of predictably achieving a goal based on a logical and specific set of how-to principles. The key is predictability. If it's been proven that by doing A, you'll get the desired result of B, then you know that all you need to do is A and continue to do A, and you'll get the desired result of, of B. Um, and so the, the basic premise of endless referrals was that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. You might recall that from law number three and the law of influence and the go-giver. So, 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 you know, the, what I noticed about people, salespeople, entrepreneurs who are sustainably successful is, is where they place their focus. It was always on the other person. Now, not in a self-sacrificial way, not at all. Simply understand, well, let's put it this way. You know, when I, when I speak at sales conferences, one of the first things I'll often say is, nobody's going to do business with you. Nobody's going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet. Yeah. Right. They're not going to buy from you because you need the money or you'd like right. the sale to happen, or even because just because you're a, a nice person, they're going to do business with you because uh, they feel that ultimately they're going to benefit more by doing so than by not doing so. And that's the only reason why anyone should do business with you or with me or with anyone else. But this is great news for the entrepreneur or sales professional who really has a heart for service, for bringing immense value to others. And, and so that's where we go with the go-giver in, in terms of its premise being that, that shifting your focus, and this is really where it, where it all begins, shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving, Ty, in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more fulfilling way of conducting business, it's the most financially profitable way yeah. as well. And again, not for any kind of woo-woo, way out there, magical, mystical reasons, not at all. It, it's actually very logical. When you're that person who can take your focus off yourself, <laughs> right, and place it on serving the other person, discovering their needs, their wants, their desires, when your focus can be not on yourself, but on solving their problems, when your focus can be not on the, the I, but on the other person, helping move them closer to happiness, People feel good about you. People feel great 
about you. They they want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in a relationship with you. They want to do business with you. And they want to tell the world about you. They want to be your personal walking ambassador. Yeah, I, I completely agree. You know, it's uh, as, as I was as I was reading the book, it kind of has um, kind of some alchemist undertones in that, you know, they speak to this universal language. Right. And And as I was going through the book, I was like, you know, the universe is governed by law, right? Like there's, there's, sure. there's, mm-hmm. there's certain principles that just seem to run this place. Right. And, mm-hmm. yeah. um, as, as I was going through those in your book, it's weird because I'm like, you know, we use the word counterintuitive because business books will often say, okay, here's the five steps to success. This is more, here's the five principles of thought and self-conduct that will lead to effortless success, no. I guess. And so, um, the question is why do you think why do you think it's counterintuitive i mean you would never expect muscles before you go to the gym you would never mm-hmm. expect knowledge before you crack the book or or right. or enroll in the course why do we often expect results before we make deposits wow what a, a what a wonderful question um and 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 i think the answer is this it's human nature to be self-involved, right? It, yeah. it, it's human nature to, you know, to just want something for ourselves and focus on that and not understand that, that again, you, as you say, you know, universal laws and principles of human nature are always in play. And again, it goes back to, you know, Dale Carnegie, I think, said it best of all yeah. in his his classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think this was the underlying premise of his book when he wrote, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. And yet, you know, would we think about our, uh, you know, our sales goals and about making the sale and going in there and, you know, making that sale. And, well, we want the sale to happen, of course, but it's not going to be because our focus is on ourselves. So it's not that we have to deny our self-interest. Again, let's live in truth. So we're human beings, okay? Uh, We have self-interest. It's that we need to, as professionals, we need to uh, suspend that self-interest. Yeah. (laughs) Understanding that the sale is never about us. Now, we have to be good at what we do, of course. We need to, we're an important part of the process, but it's never about us. Great salesmanship is never about the salesperson. Great salesmanship is never about the product or service, as important as those are. That's not what the sale's about. Great salesmanship is always about the other person. It's about the value that you're trying to bring another human being. In a, in a sense, Ty, you know, we could say great salesmanship is about another person's life being better just because you are part of it. And that doesn't happen by focusing on ourselves and our needs. It happens by focusing on them and their needs. That's why the third law, the law of influence, says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Again, not in a self-sacrificial, martyrish, doormatty way, not at all. It's just, again, understanding human nature. You must make it about, about them. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that's really well said. Like, I think, you know, there are levels to salesmanship, there are levels to leadership. And I think, uh, you know, I think back on my career, 
you know, I've been in direct sales for 20 something years and leadership for a good part of that. And there's levels. There are times where I felt like the customer is my opponent and I'm going to win, right? Like there, you, I spent some time in my early development figuring that out. Uh, you know, admittedly, I probably felt to some degree that way about sales teams I led early in my career where, hey, we're going to hit this number and right. get on the bus or get off the bus, but we're hitting it and, you know, it's going to make me look good. And we're going to win. But I think once you start, the keyword being effortless, when I look to people that have had what appears to be effortless success, things kind of flow in their direction and things kind of like work out for them. So, you know, in the book, I won't give it away because if, if you haven't read it, I mean, it's probably a, it's probably two hours max to read the whole thing. It's just great, you know? Um, and I'm going to put this into my yearly rotation. Uh, I have a couple books that are in my yearly rotation. So this one makes it, but it's one of those things where life seems to work for certain people and the employment of these principles by way of receiving referrals, by way of like, mm -hmm. you know, you meshed in their happiness at home as well as happiness in the job and kind of like a seamless integration of principle, like adaptation. Sure. And I think, I think that's, there's, you know, maybe the mid level is scrap and contend and compete. I think the higher level is you don't make sales, you kind of facilitate them, right? You kind uh, of, you kind exactly. of like set the stage for them and encourage them, but you don't, one person doesn't win and one person doesn't lose. You, no, you, you create you, the environment for the sale to right. take place. That's right. You curate yeah. the environment, you orchestrate it. It's a production, right? And hopefully both people come out better, you know? Well, you know, in, in any free market-based exchange, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else. In any free market-based exchange, there should always be two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each one comes away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. And, you know, that's really the key. So we're talking here about creation. Uh, Wallace D. Waddles in his wonderful 1910 book, uh, The Science of Getting Rich, mm. talked about living on the creative plane as opposed to the competitive plane. And I think that's the key. When our focus is on, when our focus is on creating value in the marketplace, creating value for those we deal with. Now we're headed in the right direction. That yeah. that doesn't mean we don't acknowledge that we have competition. It also doesn't mean we don't study and learn our competition's products and know their strengths and weaknesses and threats and so forth. Of course we do, but we're not focused on the competition. Yeah. We're yeah. focused on the value we're creating. You've probably heard it said before, but it's really common in my industry that people say, you know, when someone's overly salesy or when their their self-interest is showing, you know, they say he has commission breath. Oh, right? that was like, back yeah. when I was starting in sales. We said that. Absolutely. That's right. Yeah. And it really is a true thing where it's like, man, you're, you're, the focus is just wrong. You're trying so hard. You are mm -hmm. trying so hard and it's misappropriated, you know? Um, exactly. If you wouldn't mind, uh, I'd love to go through the, the five laws with you and just have kind of like your, um, your, your light, kind of off the top of the head explanation of each and what they mean to you. Sure. Um, the first one to me is the most impactful. They're all great, but the first one to me is the most impactful. And all it's the foundational one, sure. It, it really is. And I've noticed this, and I'm sure you've received text messages and emails and feedback that, that you know, say, state the similar, but I've noticed that a lot of people come to me and say, Ty, how do I get promoted? How do I get to the next step? How come I keep getting overlooked for positions? What do I have to do to get essentially what I want. 
And I've noticed a couple times that when people stop asking that question or stop worrying about it, it happens for them. You know what I mean? Like when they say, you know what, forget it. I'm just going to add as much value as possible and see what happens. Inevitably, promotion happens on a shorter time frame than they originally came in. Like when I think of the last handful of leaders that I've promoted, they're ones that haven't sat down and said, okay, I've hit the numbers. When's my time? It's the ones that are adding so much value that it becomes a personal, I wouldn't say problem, but a, a, a resolution needed where it's like, I've got to find a place to put all this value that this person is creating. You probably see that all the time. It's it's funny that you mention that because, uh, again, Wallace Waddles uh, in his 1910 book, The Science of Getting Rich, mm-hmm. he calls that he has a term for that. It's called being too big for your place. Mm. And that is when you bring so much value to a situation, there's nowhere to go. You 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 must move up. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it's a brilliant book, actually. It's very short. I've probably read it 55, 60 times. It, it, it's, it's that good. Uh, and, and yeah, a lo- and, and that really, what you said encapsulates uh, that principle. And I see that so often with so many people that they just become, they become too big for their place. They, they, the only place they can do is evolve and go up. Yeah. Yeah, I just um, I just watched I, I watch documentaries when I fly. I fly around a lot, and so um, I just watched the Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary on Netflix. Have you seen uh, that? I have not. I've heard it's, it's wonderful. It's really good. It's really good. Um, mm-hmm. But he talks. You know, he's he's from Austria, and he had um, kind of like very direct, and he he describes as like pretty simple parents. And throughout the documentary, over and over again, Arnold said, I, I learned this from my father, just be useful. That's the words that he says, just be useful, useful yeah. just be useful, just be useful. Yeah. And, um, you know, the first law, the law of value could kind of be summarized there where it's like, you know, and you said it earlier in this message or in this conversation, but are you contributing something? Is the, is the experience better is the resolution more complete because you were there like you were part of it exactly yes are you being useful are you adding value and so if you're you know i look at it like if you're a a salesperson on a team and you want to be promoted to be a leader if you ask how do i get promoted we always say be the clear choice but what that means is add the most value create so much value Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that the leader has a problem of where to put it all that's a good position Mm -hmm. to be in Mm -hmm. Um, law number two is law of compensation yeah, this now this, this one takes that first one to the, you know, to the level of of scale when you think about it because it, you know, the first one is all about the customer experience, the value you're providing that that person, okay? And from the time you meet that person through the the relationship building process, the follow-up, the follow-through, the sales process, referral process, it's every touch point. It's coming at it with a sense of excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, appreciation. All that is value. But now the second law says, the law of compensation says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So law number two says, uh, okay, law number one, law value is your potential income. Law number two is your actual income because it's how many lives you impact. And that's the key. That's why we're we're big on you developing a referral based business. Referrals 
allow you, well, first, it's easier to set the appointment with a referral-based prospect, obviously. You're going in on borrowed in, uh, influence uh, with a referred prospect. Price is less of an issue. doesn't mean it's a non-issue, uh, but it, it's less of an issue because you come in with some, some credibility right away. So you're able to sell on high value rather than low price. Hey, as we know, when you sell on low price, you're a commodity. That's right. When you sell on high value, you are a resource. Yeah. Uh, the third benefit of a referred based prospect, referral based prospect, is it's simply easier to complete the sale. Uh, mm -hmm. That it based on borrowed trust or what we call vicarious experience. Mm. Uh, no, this person's never done business with you, but someone who they know and trust, not, they know, like, and trust has said, hey, this is the person you want to deal with. Their product or service is fantastic. Company's great. They're going to take care of you. They have your well-being at heart, right? And then the fourth benefit of a referral-based pro uh, prospect is that they're already of the mindset that that's how you do business because that's how they met you. And so, so long as you handle the, the, the process correctly uh, of asking for referrals, you should be able to receive plenty of high quality ones. So, so that's a way to be able to reach and impact the lives of more people, providing more value to more people and increasing your income. Yeah. Yeah. There's something in, in, in that I've coached people on before where people um, will say, Hey, how can I grow? And a lot of times what they were defining growth as is oh give me another territory can i get more can i get more cities can i get more market and you know for a long time we were like well that that technically would be growth it's expansion we've redefined it now as influence over volume which is interesting because that's kind of laws two and three kind of mashed together but mm -hmm. you know some people could be could earn more money in a smaller territory by influencing more people it's oh, not absolutely sure. right it's it's how many people are you serving and how well do you serve them? It's literally mm -hmm. like your second law, which I think is if, if we're asking the question, number one, how do I add value? And then how do I add value for more people? There's the growth, right? Yeah, absolutely. So how does that differ from law number three? So law number three is law of influence. Yeah. And this one again says your influence. Right? Pardon me. They're sort of similar. Well, you well, the first one's about the value you provide. Certainly the, the second law is about how many lives you impact. The third one, uh, it, you know, the law of influence, which says, again, your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. What this really says, and I, and I see this as, as, yeah, similar with law number one, it's really where your focus lies in terms of, um, uh, in, in terms of, how determined are you to make that other person's life better at every single touch point? And, and again, as I said earlier, not in a, you, when we say place the other person's interests first, we don't mean that in a self-sacrificial or martyrish type of way, not at all. But that is understanding that, that, uh, that again, as Joe, the protege in the story learned from several of the mentors. And as we talked about earlier, the golden rule of business of sales is, is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. Well, here's the thing, Ty, there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you in others than by genuinely mm -hmm. moving from that I focus or me focus to an other focus focused yeah. on them or as Sam, one of the mentors advised Joe, it's about, it's, it's making your win all about the other person's win. Yeah. I have a, I have an example that I thought of, of this where, um, 
you know, I, I have a wide array of ages of kids in my family. I have six kids and they range from almost two to uh, 13, right? So it's wow. pandemonium, Bob. It's pure chaos. I'll bet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because um, the other day my wife's like, where do you want to go out to eat? And we were going with the whole family. And I kind of joked, but in a cynical way, I was like, I haven't eaten at a restaurant that I want to eat at with this family <laughs> since we had our first child. Like the question is, where will the kids eat? And if the kids will eat well at that place, I'm going to have a great experience. But mm -hmm. if I go to the restaurant that I want to go to, it's not going to be a good experience. And I was thinking about that just simply with a lot of influence where it's like, okay, let me put the needs of the children and, and uh, kind of ahead of my own here. And then by nature, man, I can eat in a McDonald's parking lot if all those kids are happy. But if right. they're upset or not happy, Ruth's Chris isn't very good. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Yep. Good so point. Just think about that when you're teaching a lot of influence. Just think of me struggling with the happy meals, okay? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have a great family. Oh, they're the best, man. It's the best, it's the best thing in the world. Um, it's weird how transparent that one is. It's weird how there's a there's like a receptor in the human body that can tell where the other person's interest lies. Wouldn't you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Not that there's not some people who are really good at faking it. These are people we call professional con artists. Yeah. But by and large, but by and large, no, it's it's and especially I think with the with the social media, it's harder than ever to mm -hmm. to to you know to fake it. Which is yeah. good, you know. It's a wonderful thing, but uh, uh, but it's yeah, why it's it, why that fourth law is so important, right? Because yeah. when you run into somebody, so the law of authenticity, when mm -hmm. you touch something authentic, the interesting thing that I that I really liked in the book, and I'm sure it was intentional, is the calming effect that authenticity has on other people. You ever notice, like uh, the the actual evolved sales leader or evolved salesperson, they don't create discord. They, they resume, they, even if they're busy, especially if they're busy, even if their influence is high and they're over a lot of different accounts, they, they exude calmness. It's transferable. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I couldn't say it any better. That was, that was absolutely perfect. You know, in, the, in, in that chapter or in that, that section where we talk about authenticity, which simply says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Uh, Deborah Davenport, who was the mentor in that part, she mm -hmm. shared that the um, that all the, the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are, and you and I both know, and everyone listening knows, they are all very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it from your true, authentic core. Yeah. Now, when you do, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you, but you know, they feel comfortable with you and they feel safe with you. And why wouldn't they? They know who they're getting. Yeah. And this is very important because as human beings, again, it's another aspect of human nature. We have a need to be able to make sense of our world in a world that often doesn't make sense. We want mm. consistency in our world, in a world that is often inconsistent. So when you show up authentically, okay, people, uh, know, they, 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 again, they know who they're getting and trust is able to be not only established, but cultivated and enhanced. I think the big thing with, you know, 
the word authenticity is it's almost been hijacked a little bit over the last 10 or 15 years. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's uh, maybe with social media, I don't know if, if but uh, it's almost as though authenticity has come to mean no boundaries, anything goes, uh, as long as you're being authentic. Uh, I yeah. disagree with that. You know, this yeah, is like the person, being emotional, right? Yeah, right. Well, this is the, like the person who would say, well, I have anger issues and I yell yeah. at people a lot. And if I were yeah. to act any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. And that of course yeah. is baloney. That's, that's yeah. malarkey. It simply means that person has an authentic problem <laughs> that they need to authentically work on in order to become a better, higher, authentic, effective version of themselves. Uh, I, I, I just, I don't like to see people use the term authenticity as an excuse to not grow and mm. to, to act in ways that are inappropriate. Uh, my, you know, my feeling is this, my definition of authenticity is, is, is very simple. And that is simply acting congruently with your values. I think when you do that, you're being authentic and you're always in the, the heading in the right direction. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, you mentioned social media a second ago, and this will be, we'll wrap it up with this. I know you have a hard stop. So um, I was speaking okay. to a leader the other day, and uh, this leader is constantly consuming content in the name of improvement. You know, that's one of the greatest things about our day and age is you and I, I could read your book and we can have a conversation and I can listen to your podcast next and you're, it's so easy to get content. But one of the things that I mentioned is a lot of the more developed leaders I know, they're very selective with which content they let penetrate their brain and their body. Like mm -hmm. a lot of leaders don't finish books if they don't align with their values and things. And so uh, one of the uh, things that I had told him was, and he's in a really high ranking sales leadership position. And I said, listen, you're not in the position that you're in hoping that you learn and develop into something else. You're in the position that you're in because your group needs you. They need the person that you are. And so seek content that helps you unlock what's inside of you. And I don't know a more better wow. like or articulate way to say it, but well, I think that was pretty, pretty you, great. Right? They need they need you. They need unfiltered, authentic you. And you almost have to guard the other stuff from changing you, you know? Oh, yeah, you sure do. You know, it's obvious as to why you're such a terrific leader. I mean, these are great, great, uh, points of wisdom that you're, and you know, it's obvious. And I, I know some of your background and I know you've studied this and you've worked at this and, you know, it, it really shows itself in, you know, in who you are and in well, what, hey, you're thank you. I, what you're doing. I appreciate it. I, th this one made me, the law of authenticity made me close the book and think for a second. Like it was one of those ones where it's like, where does that fit? And I, it's, it's, it's harder to do because there's so many things you have to not do, right? It's, it's allowing yourself to be open, to be yourself and kind of lead from the heart a little bit, you know? Yeah. And then, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, law number five, real quickly, the law of receptivity, which really ties it all together. Yeah. And this is, says, you know, the key to effective giving is to stay open to receiving. And it means really nothing more than, than understanding that, Hey, he, you know, you breathe out, you also have to breathe in 
Yeah. It's not one or the other. It's yeah. both. We breathe out carbon dioxide. We breathe in oxygen. We breathe out, which is giving. We breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts. They're merely two sides of the very same coin. They act in tandem. And the challenge is that the world around us just hammers us with so many anti-prosperity messages. Yeah. That it can really, you know, get into the into the the unconscious, which is really the tough part. So I believe we really need to 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 understand that uh, you know that we need to study prosperity, right? We yeah. need to make a study and put that, as you were saying earlier, that good information into our heads, as opposed yeah. to just unconsciously listening to the negative anti-prosperity messages from the world around us. And that's a that's a really good point. Like. It's weird that, I mean, it's honestly like biblical, like beware of calling bad things good and good things bad. Like prosperity is not a bad thing. Like I believe people are made to develop and prosper. And sure. there's kind of this idea that I've been thinking of where, you know, a lot of times like people like capitalism is one of those things, right? Where it's like people look at that and they're like, oh, capitalism is good or capitalism is bad. Like, and there's a lot of mixed messages on it. And the word capitalism, prosperity, it's come to kind of take this different meaning, but let's use your word. Prosperity, I believe, would be the employment of true principles that, to create abundance whereby everybody is better off, right? Like um, if you use true principles mm-hmm. and then there's true abundance, not, not limiting things, there's enough for everybody, everybody is better off, you know? Um, a- absolutely. Now, capitalism, and let's make a, uh, and let's make the point of saying free market capitalism. Okay. Unfortunately, too many people do not understand what capitalism actually is. Yeah. And when they see the cronyism that takes yeah. place between, you know, government and special interests and how, and, and they think that's capitalism. But yeah. that's not, that's, that's right. not capitalism. When yeah. we talk about capitalism, we mean free market capitalism, yeah. uh, you know, where government's legitimate function is to protect against force and fraud, but otherwise just let people buy, sell, trade freely with one another. When yeah. that's the case, free market capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty yes. than any other system. Yeah. And when we understand that, that, you know, again, in a free market, which I talked about earlier, no one's forced to do anything. So because of that, it's the best protection for a consumer because it means the salesperson, the seller is always having to prove their value. Yes to the consumer. So we could go far into that. But unfortunately, because so many people misunderstand what capitalism actually is, uh, there's all sorts of not even mixed messages, negative messages about it. I completely and so free market capitalism is simply the way that we can be, that we can live in the kind of abundance that you described with that beautiful definition of, of prosperity that you gave us. Bob, I wish I had more time with you. Um, you're doing incredibly important work. Uh, I hope, I hope you hear that often because it's, this is, this work is some of the good stuff that's out there. There's a lot of stuff that, that isn't guiding people in the right direction. And I think this really does. And I'm happy to endorse it, give you a small, uh, little boost to the platform, hopefully, but thank you. And I hope this isn't the last time we speak. I hope so. Uh, the same, and it's really been an honor to speak with you and thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, Bob, I'll let you get to your day. Thanks so much, man. I really, we, we could have gone into that for hours, but thank you. And I know we're oh, absolutely. Pleasure. It. 
listening to this and interested in joining our teams, DM us on Instagram at run the league. What are you waiting for? Run the league, shoot us a DM and let's get going.